Welcome to HeartSpeak Podcast, episode 197, The World of Plasma. Welcome to the HeartSpeak Podcast, where valuable insights are shared that bypass the mind and resonate with the heart. Listen, open your heart, become inspired, find the joy and fulfillment that awaits when you follow your heart. And now, here's your host, Dr. Christine Page. Well, hello there, wherever you are in the world, you are welcome and it's good to be with you. Today, we're going to talk about plasma. Now, this is not the same as the liquid that contains all the cells for your bloodstream that flows around the body. Here, we're talking about the fourth state of matter, something that has intrigued me for some time, but is becoming more important in our world if we're to understand who we are as light beings And what is our general makeup? I became interested in this particularly when I was watching some of the videos of Gina Colvin-Hill. You may wish to see these. And she has picked up on videos or images that appear from all around the world of it seems to be a plasma, uh, uh, a material that is changing within our atmosphere as you watch the video. And it is very understandable when you look at this that, yes, something's happening here. Of course, people want to see it as, well, it was raindrops on her lens or the lens of the camera that was taking the pictures. But I advise you to look and see what's going on, what's happening here. And maybe through my podcast, I'll be able to explain a little bit more to you so that when you watch this, you'll say, that's what's going on. And then recently, someone who I respect has written a book to Robert Temple. His book is known as The New Science of Heaven, and he's talking about plasma. And so it really encouraged me to say, okay, I need to write or talk about this because I've known about plasma, as you have, for a long, long time. We call it ether. We call it chi. We've known about this energy, but perhaps we've seen it as something that surrounds us. We call it our etheric body. Or we've seen ourselves passing chi to someone or moving chi around between our hands. But this chi is not limited to our environment, our immediate environment. In fact, Scientists would now say plasma is 99% of the known universe. 99%. So only 1% is what we call atomic or material. The other 99% is subatomic, made up of electrons, ions, protons. This is the world in which we are moving every day. And as I was reading Robert Temple's book, he says that the material world or the fact that we actually consider ourselves material beings, you know, you can knock on, knock on me and I will feel it and it feels hard, is almost an anomaly in the universe. Isn't that amazing? Our materialism, the fact that we see something as solid, is an anomaly. And that is something we want to, and I don't know if we can even start to explain why is this anomaly appearing? And I'll give you some ideas on this. 
But if you want to see it another way, how do we see this fourth state? We say that you could take a block of ice and that block of ice, you could not put your hand through that block of ice, but when you heat it, oh, it becomes water. All we've done is move the atoms, the molecules apart. Now you can put your hand through that water. And then you say, well, I can't make it disappear. Oh, I can if I just apply more heat. And now the, the atoms move further apart. And now we call it steam or gas. Now what happens with plasma or ether? We add more heat. And now we no longer have steam or a gas. We have this fourth state. Some people call it a super gaseous state where it appears to disappear altogether. So the application that many people use is this understanding of cooling something or heating something to be able to achieve these different states and literally know that plasma exists. Now that plasma apparently has also its own density. So you can have dense plasma and light plasma, but we won't go into that. You can have crystallized plasma, which of course would make sense if we look at crystals. It's almost like trapped energy, isn't it? Trapped light in a crystal. So if we understand that plasma has this energy of a light giving off a light, then a crystal contains crystallized plasma, probably created billions of years ago. Now, as we go deeper, we're understanding that this isn't something new that some scientists of today has discovered, that many traditions talk about plasma beings. Now, they may not call them plasma beings, they may call them ghosts, or they may call them spirits, or we may call them fairies, or we may call them elementals. And if we look at the Bible, there are many stories of beings of light. Now, they may be called angels or archangels, or the fact that there was a burning bush or lightning came down, because lightning is pure plasma. We have plasma balls. Some of you have seen these. These are orbs. So what are we taking a picture of? We're taking a picture of a piece of plasma that has become structured in a circle, in a ball, in a bubble. And this understanding, perhaps, of a sort of contained plasma is one way in which people describe our own entity of how we are living in this bubble. And what happens is that plasma can attract dust particles, which you could say are atomic particles or material particles or elemental particles. And you see the plasma because of the dust which makes sense. Sometimes if you turn the light on and when the sun is streaming through my house, I can see the dust particles and think, hmm, I need to clean. Or the fact that when we're here in the desert and there's a lot of wind, these very fine particles of sand are lifted up and we see them in the light. So that often we only see plasma because of something material that sticks to it. But remember, this is only 1% of our known universe. So the sun, the stars are all just plasma. We call Jupiter and Neptune gaseous giants. Now, they have some solidity in them, and that gaseous nature is defined by their mass, according to what I've been reading. 
But the fact is, we think that many of the planets have a more plasma basis to them than perhaps the Earth does. And yet, let's not limit ourselves to only thinking that poor old Earth is this solid mass, because it isn't. We have what we call an ionosphere around us, because it's all made up of ions. We have a magnetosphere around us, made up of different ions, positive, negative, coming, making this magnetic field. You may have come across the Van Allen belts that can be seen as creating this, uh, this waveform, and I should say like a, a, an iron filings around a magnet, this magnetosphere. We, we can see them in these belts of moving plasma. And we really don't always understand what makes up the magnetic field of the Earth. It's not just what's around it, but we understand there's a liquid outer core to the earth. So deep within the core, it's a liquid form, and it's the movement of this liquid that makes the magnetic field of the earth. But is that plasma? Is it liquid? I mean, have we looked at it in any other way than our understanding of what is solid, what is liquid, what is gas? Do we look for plasma? So when we start to move in these directions, we're understanding that this, as I say, having a material world, a solid world, is, is an anomaly. Now, if we look at our own bodies, we start to understand that, yes, I have what we call a physical body, but, hey, it could just be, be like that piece of ice that if it was heated, it would not be so solid. And then the next level out, which is what we call the subtle bodies. So you have your what we call an aura made up of what we say six subtle bodies at least. And that first layer out is called the etheric body. And the etheric body I've always seen as the blueprint to the physical body. And I like to align it to the fact that if I turn the light out on outside at night, all the moths gather around that light until we would say there's just a ball of moth. But if I switch the light off, the moths disperse and we see you know, that this was just a ball of moth held together by that light. So I like to perceive that our physical form is only held in space or in place, I should say, because of the etheric body. And this we know to be true, that when someone dies, it's at the level of the etheric body break down, it breaks down, and therefore the physical body cannot survive. So you could say, if we go back to plasma, it's the dispersion of that plasma at that particular place, which is Christine's body, that says that etheric blueprint, that plasma blueprint that was Christine has now disappeared back into the light or back in through the plasma into another dimension. And therefore that physical form cannot survive. I hope that's making sense. So your, our physical body is only held in place by what we might call the plasma body or the etheric body. And at some time, which may be the leaving of our soul to go back into the light, I'll use simplistic terms, but our soul may choose to leave. And once that happens, the etheric body can no longer sustain itself and therefore it disperses and therefore the physical body dies. 
And if you've ever watched someone die, you may actually see, we often call it a silver thread, something leaving, or we see a breakdown of the body in that way. And it is said that ghosts often appear in places where the etheric or the, the, the death has been very shocking. And so it shocked the etheric body. And so that even though the body, the person died, their etheric body didn't quite get the message. And it just continues to walk that same path that went to the place where the person died. It often says that Anne Boleyn's ghost walks in the Tower of London. But when you watch an etheric body ghost, <laughs> it starts to get smaller and smaller and smaller over years because that etheric body eventually will disperse. So there are different types of ghosts, but that's an etheric ghost where if your body is shocked before you die, the etheric body didn't get the message and just keeps going. Now, when we take it in that way, it becomes really interesting when someone, for instance, has unfortunately had a leg amputated. They often say they have pain in that leg that's no longer there. We call it phantom pain, ghost pain. <laughs> and it's so interesting that you might say, well, you haven't got a leg there, but the etheric leg is still there. And I've certainly worked with healers who have worked on the etheric body of that leg to ease the pain. Because again, it's almost like the message didn't get back to disperse that etheric. So you can actually use sound or you could use healing on an area that is no longer there to bring healing to the body. At the same time, I'll just finish on my story of the etheric body, that we know that, for instance, a salamander that regrows its tail, this occurs because the blueprint, the etheric body of that tail is still present. So potentially, if we know and work with our own etheric body, we could grow any organ back because the memory is still there. Fascinating work. So we move from that understanding of the etheric body and how powerful it is to understanding ourselves as light beings. Now, this isn't in the same spiritual light beings, but uh, each of our cell is expressing what we call a biophoton or biophotons. So every cell has its own little light within it. Now, this isn't the same as bioluminescence, which you might see in fireflies or others. This is literally that we have a light shining out if we could read it from each of our cells. And studies were made, and I remember being part of these where you could measure the light in each cell, even just by taking a blood sample, to know whether or not someone was healthy and if, if for, for instance, they had cancer. And you could pick up cancer very easily in the whole body by taking just a blood sample. Unfortunately, this research didn't go any further because, of course, if we can pick up this cancer early and then start to treat the body, maybe just with light bringing or gold, as we've talked about before, what if we just bring every cell back into harmony through applying a stronger frequency, such as the monoatomic gold or the light, and that you didn't even need to manifest the cancer? But of course, it's not surprising that the research didn't go further because nobody's going to make money out of this. And so we can't have people just healing themselves with light or sound or color <laughs> or gold. 
And so it would be really interesting to understand ourselves in that light way. Now, some of you may have come across machines that measure uh, electrical impulses, meridian impulses. I've certainly, again, been part of that. Curlian photography was the initiation of that. And I think that's picking up on an electromagnetic field as much as a light field. And I'm not entirely sure whether it's really picking up on that plasma level, but that's neither here nor there. What's important is our body is an electromagnetic being and it has this etheric body and it has our emotional body and our mental body, other bodies, but recognizing, even though I might say, oh, you've got an emotional body, that emotional body is actually a, a reflect, reflected through the plasma. So it's not like, oh, I have happy in here and I have sad in here. It's a wavelength. It's a wavelength. And then a wavelength of our mental body. Don't want to go too far down in that understanding. But if our etheric body, which is the one could say the densest of our subtle bodies, is already plasma, then the rest of it is plasma. So when I read an aura, I'm reading a plasma body. And what I've always said as I was teaching around auras, when people would say, I'm closing my aura or my aura, you know, that's fine when we're talking about the etheric or the astral, mental, or so even the soul level. But once we move into the spiritual, the universal aspects of our aura, there is no separation between me and the universe. I mean, this is plasma. So you can't actually close your aura because if you did, you would no longer exist because you are a universal being. So we've talked about biophotons and the importance of healthy biophotons. And if only we could measure when perhaps our light was not as strong as it used to be, we could actually bring healing at a much earlier rate. We talked about our etheric body and understanding that this is working through plasma. And maybe one of my last pieces I want to talk about is really talking about elementals. Because what I've come to understand is that we live in a world where we have four elements. All right, now I'm coming back to the material level. We have earth, air, fire, and water. Now, I say material. You couldn't necessarily call them material. They are, they are frequencies of energy, earth, air, fire, water. And the fifth frequency of energy is ether. Back to that again. And when I was doing my studies on 2012, I was told that the Maya considered this new world that we were entering into in 2012 was the world of ether. And again, that made me study more about, well, what were they trying to say? And what they're trying to say is we are entering into a plasma world. We're, we're understanding ourselves as light beings that are interacting with plasma. And ether in itself is seen to be a synthesis of those four elements, earth, air, fire, water. So it's like the transformer of those elements. So everything exists as one of those four elements or one or more of those four elements. But what brings it together is ether. What brings them together is plasma. All right. So how does this happen? I have to be very simplistic here and say that let's imagine that plasma is this template or it's like something in which you could impress an intention into. 
I often think it's like putting your fingers in dough, something you might say, okay, now I've put the impression in, put my finger into dough, and it leaves the impression of my fingers. So plasma is malleable. I mean, I'm, again, I'm creating it a little bit like a sheet, but it isn't a sheet, it's everywhere. But let's just say it's a sheet. So that when I impress on that plasma a certain intention with my words, and my breath, that plasma holds that intention. And in holding that intention, it attracts towards it the four elements I've spoken about, earth, air, fire, water. And then behind that, the minerals that relate to those four elements until we have what we call a material world. So first, there is me as a light being. And again, I'll use that as spiritual being, a light being, whatever you want to call. And as a light being, I send out an intention, which is a frequency plus the word. So we often say, in the beginning was the word, or in the beginning was the breath. So when we go <sighs> with an intention behind it, or we might say our prayers, as one might say, we sing our prayers, we're literally imprinting on that plasma an intention. And the plasma has the ability, just as our etheric body does, to hold that intention and then attract towards it everything within the world of matter to create that into a reality. Everything we see around us is expressed intention through the power of plasma. Okay, so there is nothing solid. It's only solid because that plasma, that piece of plasma, like the etheric body, is holding that intention. Do you remember when I said switching off the light meant the moths disperse? So as long as I hold that intention on that piece of plasma, that reality will maintain itself. When I change my beliefs, because it's all at the level of beliefs, when I change my belief, which is really saying I change my focus, I no longer hold that intention, I move it somewhere else, then that plasma can no longer hold that intention. It returns back to its very fluid state, we could say, and that reality no longer exists. All right, hold this thought. And so I come to my final piece, which is, I believe, elementals. And we might call those fairies, but we might also call them giants. We might call them shining beings, angels. They have so many different names. I believe that, again, we could call them spirit beings, nature beings, but that what, a, what this being does, it again sends its intention into the plasma, which holds the intention um, magnetically attracts towards us those materials to create something physical in that intention. And then we say there's a reality. So I might say I saw a fairy or I saw a giant or I saw a ghost. What, the, what I'm actually seeing is a manifestation of an intention. And it may be that I resonate at that time with that intention. Say, oh, I like fairies. There's a fairy. Once either I stop looking for fairies 
or something, I change my attention, or maybe the light being changes attention, that fairy disappears. And I think this is why people talk about seeing UFOs or seeing ETs. You put your intention out, it develops. Take attention away. Is it still there? I've certainly seen that in crop formations that appear in the, in the crops. People have said, I put out an intention and there the intention, I saw this crop formation appear. This is the work of magicians. This is the work of psychic surgeons. I, I heard how they would create an image so that people believe they were healed. People have been doing this for years or well, lifetimes. Now, you might say, well, great, this is magic tricks. My final piece I want to say is, I think these elementals, these light beings, these angels are, are showing us this trick. They're saying, your intention is creating your reality. If you choose not to create that same reality, stop thinking that intention. Focus somewhere else. Now, it's not enough to say, I'm going to be positive, think positive thoughts. Because when you're thinking positive thoughts, you're actually only doing them so you don't think negative thoughts. You literally have to change completely your thinking. As we might say, go and fish in a different area of the lake. Stop focusing on that same place. So if you don't like your creations, stop thinking it. And you might say, oh, it's not as easy as that. No, because often we'll say, that I'm attached to that belief system, I'm attached to that story, I'm attached to that trauma, who would I be if I was not attached to that, if I didn't identify with that? This is why my teaching is so much about, not just about creation, but how do we live with mystery? How do we live within the unknown where we have absolutely an amazing possibility surrounding us. In, in other words, how do we live within the ocean of possibilities and make healthy choices as to want to create next? Because that's all it is. That's all our world is about. It's not a manifested world. It's only a manifested world because that's where we're paying our attention. What I believe the light beings are trying to show us, the elementals, the angels, are saying, stop playing small. You know how to do this. You created your reality, literally, not from a blame or shame, but it was somewhere you wanted to focus. What we've forgotten is how to stop focusing on an area. We've forgotten how to move back through the plasma to the place of nothingness. And that's what they're trying to teach us. They're trying to raise our consciousness to a place where we stop playing small, we stop playing from fear. We stop playing in this material world and say, I can manifest anything I want because that's how the universe works. Until next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the HeartSpeak Podcast with Dr. Christine Page. And please check out all HeartSpeak episodes in the podcast archive section on www.christinepage.com. HeartSpeak is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and now playing on Amazon Music and iHeartRadio. You can also watch the archive podcast on Christine's channel on YouTube and now on Rumble. Connect with Christine on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, including her newest Facebook group, The Great Mother Calling. Do share with family. 
friends, colleagues. Join us next time for another edition of Heartspeak.